friends, I wonder if you have heard the warning of the judgment that is to come. The account is here in large part to urge each one of us to take seriously the warning, to flee to Jesus Christ for refuge, for safety in the judgment that is to come. Welcome to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths. I'm Steve Hiller. Glad you're with us as we continue our series called The Blessing. We're in Genesis 19 today, and Jonathan, you know, you talk about the judgment of God, and that's a topic that I don't think many of us like to think about, to talk about. We don't hear a lot about that uh, in, in many of our churches today. Why do you think it is so important for us to seriously consider the coming judgment of God? Well, it's something we certainly don't like to think about very much, but it's not something we really have the luxury to avoid because the Bible teaches us the judgment of God is a reality that the world will ultimately face. And whether we take it seriously or not, whether we reckon with it or not, whether we believe it or not, the Bible is very clear that the judgment of God is coming. And the judgment of God, the crisis of judgment, is is really the problem at the root of the Bible story. It is the problem to which the gospel of Jesus Christ is the solution. So if we're going to understand the world, if we're going to understand the story of the Bible, if we're going to understand the message of Jesus, we need to reckon with the judgment of God. And the Bible makes it so clear that we need to do that for our own sake. But wait a minute, you, you talk about the uh, message of the gospel, the coming of Jesus. We get to that in the New Testament. We're, we're back in Genesis here, Genesis 19 today. You see it there? Well, I think we do see it here in a whole lot of different ways within the story of Abraham. But ultimately, Abram, as he was first called, was a man who needed the salvation of God, who needed the mercy of God, a, a man like all of us who would face the judgment of God ultimately. But the Lord came to him and offered him blessing in place of judgment. And, and we're told within the Genesis story that, that as Abram responded to God in faith, his faith was counted to him as righteousness. He was made right with God. He was, he was saved. And so even here in these early chapters of the Bible, we see the pattern of salvation being sketched for us. Well, let's uh, open our Bibles to Genesis 19 as we begin a message called The Judgment and Mercy of God. Here is Jonathan. It has been said that we are a generation with muddled priorities, easily confusing the relative importance of worship, work, and play. Someone is quipped that we work at our play, we worship our work, and we play at our worship. And too often that's true, isn't it? Even for for real believers, not nominalists, but the true people of God, those who know and love the Lord Jesus Christ, we all too easily treat all too lightly the things of God. We come today to one of the most unsettling chapters in all the Bible. It is an account of terrible wickedness and of fearful judgment. And it's here, I think, to wake us up. We are those who merely play at our worship. It is here to cause us to take seriously the things of God, to feel the weightiness of eternal matters and to be entirely in earnest before the God of heaven. 
In Genesis chapter 19, we find ourselves in the city of Sodom. It is a city that has been under a a fearful cloud, really, through much of the story of Abraham. Back in chapter 13 and verse 13, we were told that the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. Abram's nephew Lot, you may remember, had made what seemed like a rather unwise decision to settle near Sodom, and we wondered fearfully at that point, how would this story proceed. Back in chapter 18, the Lord and his two angels had come to visit Abraham, you remember, and the next step on their journey, we were told, was going to be the city of Sodom. There was a foreboding surrounding their visit. Remember what the Lord said, chapter 18 and verse 20. Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, the Lord said, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. Now, Abraham, he saw where all this was headed, and he interceded for Sodom and the righteous people of Sodom, the righteous within this wicked city. He interceded before the Lord. But now at the start of chapter 19, we come to the wicked city itself, and we come to Lot. Remember, Lot is part of the chosen family of God, part of the family of faith, But through his own ill-advised choices, he finds himself living in the midst of this wicked city, the city that is bound for destruction, and the narrative of the events that now unfold, the account of the judgment that falls upon Sodom, it is a harrowing tale. It's here, I believe, to wake us up to call us to take seriously the judgment and the mercy of God and to call us to take seriously the cost of compromise as we live before Him. First, then, we are to take seriously the judgment of God. The other day, I came across a photograph of the atomic bomb that was dropped on the city of Hiroshima on the 6th of August in 1945. It's extraordinary to think, isn't it? It's extraordinary to think of destruction coming upon a city so suddenly and so decisively. You think of people in the city living their lives and going about their business, eating in cafes, shopping in the supermarket, meeting people in the local park, and then suddenly all of it is brought to a dramatic end. Just very recently, archaeologists working in the city of Pompeii have released rather poignant photographs of the outlines of, of two bodies. Maybe you've seen the photographs in the news. Those of, a, it seems, a master and his servant discovered in a village just outside the city. You will know that a volcanic eruption destroyed Pompeii in October of AD 79, killing many of its residents, most of its residents, and leaving this sort of fossilized city remarkably preserved as it came under a great cloud of ash. These two men just discovered were found lying in a house precisely where they fell when disaster struck more than two millennia ago, about two millennia ago. It's fearful to think of people going about their business and then suddenly being overtaken by calamity. And Pompeii stands as a monument to the sheer fragility of human life and of human civilization. The Bible tells us that we live in a world under judgment. The Bible tells us that on a day yet to be revealed, the judgment of God will be revealed and will be released upon the city in which we live upon the worlds which we inhabit. Unlike the people of Hiroshima or Pompeii, we have been warned. 
we know what is coming. But, you know, life, it continues on as normal in many ways. We go about our business. We live our lives, even as they did in their cities in their day. And, you know, when the sun is out and life is pleasant and the community is buzzing, I think it's actually very, very difficult for us to take seriously this idea that God will judge the world as He says He will. The first and greatest lesson, perhaps, from the destruction of Sodom is the lesson that God notices sin in this world, and He's committed to dealing with it. Back in chapter 18, we learned that God had had heard of the sin of Sodom. He had noticed what was going on, and He was committed to investigating it. The outcry had reached His ears, chapter 18 and verse 20, and He's going to go, and He's going to see for Himself. And the reports we discover, they were true enough. When the two angels go to Sodom, the men of the town hear of these newcomers, and they want to assault them. Lot offered the men hospitality, clearly aware that if they stayed in the town square as they proposed to do, they would be in very grave danger from the inhabitants of the town. Lot knew what the people of Sodom were like. We then hear the harrowing account of chapter 19 and verse 5. The men of the city called out to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out that we may know them. When Lot refuses to bow to the pressure, they respond, verse 9, stand back. And they said, this fellow came to sojourn, that's Lot, and, and now he's become the judge. Now we'll deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man, Lot, and drew near to break the door down. Clearly, this is a city marked by violence and by sexual immorality. Now, that's clear enough from the account, and it's confirmed by the New Testament as it reflects on this event. Just consider Jude 7, which says, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. The men of Sodom were guilty of violence and of attempted assaults, and added to their violence, their behavior involved sexual immorality and the pursuit of unnatural desire. That's the specific language that the Bible uses here in Jude 7 to describe the guilt of Sodom. That's what was going on, among other things, no doubt. And of course, we know how events unfold. The very dramatic judgment of God falls upon the city. Just try and picture this in your mind's eye. It's horrific. Lot has fled with his immediate family, and now comes the promised judgment of God, verse 24. Then the Lord rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. Abraham, he was looking on from a distance, and as he looked, middle of verse 28, behold, the smoke of the land went up like smoke of a furnace." sulfur and fire from heaven. It's terrifying. It's a harrowing thought, more than we can really process, I think. Now, that's what God does here in response to sin. And that outpouring of judgment is, according to the Bible, a pale foretaste of what is yet to come. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 6, we're told explicitly that the destruction of Sodom is a foretaste and a warning of judgment to come. We're, we're told that 
in turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, I quote, God made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. Peter goes on to then talk about that. He goes on in the same chapter to say that the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. He tells us that on that coming day, the heavens, I quote, will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. That's the future. That is, according to the Scriptures, what will come. Now, we have to stand back from all this, and we have to process a simple and a startling point, and it's this. God notices sin in a wicked society. God by no means tolerates sin in this world. God will bring His judgment to bear upon His creation in a day yet to come. And as believers in Jesus Christ, as those who take seriously the Word of God, we have to constantly reset our ethical framework to conform it to the Word of God. We need it personally, don't we? Because we will easily stray from the Word of God into all kinds of sin ourselves. We're far from perfect. We're far from blameless. And we need an attitude of deep humility and of constant repentance when we think of ethics, of sin, of judgment. The, the church of Jesus Christ can hardly claim a flawless record when it comes to, to any type of sin, sexual sin being no exception. And so we need to be reminded that God's Word is unchanging and His judgments unfailing. You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths, a message called The Judgment and Mercy of God. It's part of our series we're calling The Blessing. Today, really taking a look at Genesis chapter 19. If you ever miss a broadcast or you miss part of a program or you just want to go back and listen to it again, you can always do that by coming to our website. It's EncounterTheTruth.org. That's EncounterTheTruth.org. And whether you listen online or on the radio, it's all made possible because of your generosity. We're able to keep Jonathan's teaching on the station because of your financial gifts. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to send you a book called Everything a Child Should Know About God. It's our way of saying thanks for your support. You can find out more or give online at EncounterTheTruth.org or when you call us at 833-99-TRUTH. Stay tuned. We have that uh, contact information and a little bit more about this book from Jonathan himself later in the broadcast. But right now, let's get back to the message. Again, here is Jonathan. Within this story, this account of the destruction of Sodom, what some of the greatest tragedies are seen in the lives of those who simply won't take the warning seriously. When the angels warned Lot to flee, they asked if he had loved ones in the city, sons-in-law, daughters, sons, so on. Verse 12, Lot then rushed to his sons-in-law, verse 14, and he said to them, Up, get out of this place, because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But we then read those tragic words at the end of verse 14, but he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. They thought it was a ridiculous joke. 
the whole thing. A bit of stupidity. And they went back to clearing their emails, doing their online banking, and catching up on Facebook or whatever they did. They ignored it. On the way out of Sodom, Lot was warned by the angels, verse 17, very clearly, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. But Lot's wife, she famously ignored the warning. She, she looked back as they fled, verse 26, and she became a pillar of salt. Tragically, she failed to take seriously the warning that was given her. Friends, I wonder if you have heard the warning of the judgment that is to come. I wonder if you have taken that warning seriously before now. Perhaps you've never heard it before. Maybe that's the case for some listening today, some here today. Or perhaps you've heard it, but honestly, you have paid little attention to it. Whatever the case may be for you personally, the account is here in large part to urge each one of us to take seriously the warning, to flee to Jesus Christ for refuge, for forgiveness, for safety in the judgment that is to come. If you haven't done that, let me urge you, let me plead with you, frankly, this morning. Would you run to Jesus Christ for safety would you receive the forgiveness that he offers? He welcomes anyone. Whatever our sin, whatever our record, whoever we are, whatever we've done, he died that we who deserve the judgment of God, and that's all of us, he died that we might be forgiven. He, he died that we might be spared the judgment to come because he has taken our judgment at the cross. He died that we might be welcomed to his eternal kingdom. Would you take seriously the warning of the judgment that is to come? Would you flee to Jesus Christ even today? Added to examining our own lives in a sober way, we who know the Lord need to be prepared to graciously, lovingly, patiently, but urgently speak the truth of the Word of God in our society today. Not that we force the morality of Scripture on others. That's not our job. That's not our interest. That's not our responsibility. That's not what we're doing here. But here is our responsibility. Here is our calling. It is to warn those around us of the judgment that is to come, and it is to invite them to plead with them to find refuge in Christ who will welcome with open arms anyone who will come to him. This cautionary tale, it teaches us to take seriously the judgment of God. Next, it calls us to take seriously the mercy of God. I don't, I don't know if you've ever had a near-death experience uh, of any kind. A number listening will have had such an experience. And those who have, if you've had an experience like that, a near-death experience, those who have would likely say that the experience of that changed their outlook on life, at least to some extent. The effects are probably most dramatic in the days and weeks following the experience. But 
Normally, I guess, there will be a lasting impact. You reassess what matters in your life. You refocus your priorities. Perhaps you set aside certain pursuits or abandon certain patterns of unhealthy or ungodly behavior. When I was growing up, we knew a man who narrowly missed traveling on the Titanic. He was due to be on the ship on its fateful maiden crossing, but he was unwell. He caught the chickenpox as a child, and he couldn't sail, and his mother was apparently terribly disappointed, very upset. But, you know, he lived his whole life in the shadow of that disaster, in the knowledge that he had only barely escaped. And you can only imagine the kind of impact that that would have had for him, for your whole life, knowing that you had been spared even rescued. Lord and his family, they had a near-death experience in Sodom. They only narrowly escaped, and they escaped because of the mercy of God. Story, it highlights the mercy of God in a very, very dramatic way. We see it throughout, but we, we feel it particularly on the morning of that fateful day. Notice it with me, verse 15. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. It is a rescue accomplished by divine agency and through the sheer mercy of God. And you know, this picture of rescue, it is a picture for us of the rescue God has achieved for all his saved people. God rescued Lot because he remembered the promises he had made to Abraham. That's why Lot got out. The text is very clear about that. Maybe you notice it. Verse 29, so it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. God remembered the covenant promises he had made to Abraham, promises that pointed forward to Jesus Christ and to his saving work. And you know, like Lot, we who know and trust Jesus, we rely on the covenant promises of God. We believe that he will spare us in the judgment to come because of the promises that he has made. Promises going right back to Abraham and God is faithful. He will show mercy to his family of faith, to those who believe even as Abraham believed. Well, we have to pause the message right there. You're listening to Encounter the Truth and a message called The Judgment and the Mercy of God. And if you want to go back and listen to this program again, you can do that by coming to EncounterTheTruth.org. Well, Encounter the Truth is a listener-supported broadcast. We're able to stay on the station because of your generosity. But as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to say thank you by sending you a book called Everything a Child Should Know About God. Uh, so, Jonathan, sounds like a kid's book, but who is this book actually written for? Well, it is indeed for children, as the title suggests. It's a lovely overview of essential Bible truths about God. But it's a book not only that kids can read for themselves if they're readers, but it's a lovely book for 
parents to read with their children or grandparents to read with their grandchildren, maybe as a daily quiet time resource, a daily devotional resource. Uh, we found it to be hugely useful in our own family. We've used it with our kids and just loved it. So you used it with your own kids. Um, you, you felt like they were able to understand a little bit more of God because of that? Oh, absolutely. It takes simple truths from Scripture and puts them clearly in language that kids can latch onto and respond to. It's beautifully designed for that purpose and nicely written. Well, it is called Everything a Child Should Know About God. We'd love to send you a copy as you give a gift of any amount in support Encounter the Truth this month. You can find out more or give online by coming to our website, EncounterTheTruth.org, or give us a call at 833-998-7884. That's 833-99-TRUTH. Or again, the website, EncounterTheTruth.org. Well, thanks for listening today, and I hope you'll join us next time.